Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Episode 18, Jude 22 through 25. Live the Contrast Continued. In our last podcast, we started to explore the depths of what it means to live like a bondservant of Jesus Christ, which includes coming to understand and accept the mercy of God, which always operates to show us why we can believe and trust ourselves completely to Jesus and how to bet our lives quite practically on his name. Let's continue in our exploration of what it means to live as a bondservant and pick up in Jude 22 through 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by their flesh. Another aspect about our now and continually looking to the mercy of God is that it becomes a barrier to our judging and condemning our brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, if we honor God by ascribing to him responsibility for everything that happens in our lives, then we can realize that when people hurt us, and do evil to us, they are just tools in the hands of the enemy, who is just a tool in the hands of Yahweh Adonai and Yahweh Sabaoth to carry out his good, pleasing, and perfect will in our lives to transform us and the offender into his image. Think about it. That is a mind-blowing perspective, and it speaks to why we can and must have mercy on others. Besides, when we now and continually realize that God wants us to help the doubter with their doubt, with their wrong belief and unbelief, and secure them in his love by showing them the abundance of his mercy, then we are freed up to love others with his love and likewise be merciful. In other words, by his spirit, we can choose to not deal with others based on their sin, but on their wrong belief and unbelief. How is that for radical living? It moves the relationship away from our hurt to how they are hurting themselves. We show mercy by choosing to not deal with others based on their sin, but on God's perfect love and his perspective of the sin in our lives. This passage assumes, by the way, that we are to be in close enough of a community with the doubters and those who are struggling so that we can help them. It implies that we must be willing to get outside of our own little world and enter theirs. It means we must set aside our agenda and consider others more important than ourselves and walk alongside of them until they realize the truth. Keep in mind, through our teaching and instruction, we can demonstrate who God says that he is. But until we live our teaching and instruction, our attempts to help the doubter will likely fall to the wayside. Through the fire of testing, the truth becomes our truth. With that said, we must come to understand the importance of God testing us in our faith. Prior to being tested, what we learned is the knowledge which someone else taught us. It still belongs to them. But in testing, the Holy Spirit takes the knowledge and imprints it in our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. 
It is only then that the truth we have learned becomes our truth, and we no longer live as a doubter. Thus, even though we tend to take the offenses of others so personally, God tests us and them to give us the opportunity to move from doubt to faith, to move from a truth to our truth. Thus, in mercy, we are to save others by snatching them out of the fire. The idea of snatching them from the fire pictures for us a sudden and decisive action in which we might get burned if we are not careful. For example, if a person is sliding away and following someone or some teaching that clearly takes away from or adds to the grace of God, or which denies that Jesus is our master and ultimate Lord, and we start to interfere, we will most definitely encounter some serious backlash and opposition. In fact, we need to expect it. If we decide to take a stand against the religion of Christianity and instinctual religious wisdom, attempting to keep someone from falling away, it's likely we will get burned in one way, shape, or form. The picture, however, is one of fast action, which means that if they do not want help, if they do not want to be protected or saved, then we must not stay there trying to convince them or we will get injured. We are to snatch quickly if we have the opportunity. But if that opportunity passes, we are not to allow ourselves to just stand there and be burned in the fire that is set aside for them. This is relationally hard. But if they don't want the help, it's time to move on and trust them to Jesus and his purifying work in their lives. Yet to others, we are to show mercy with fear, even hating the garment stained by the flesh. I know that many have thought that I personally am a little too intense when it comes to the separation of the flesh and the new creation, but this passage captures the Spirit's sentiments perfectly. We are to show mercy. We are to fight for others with fear lest we fall into a similar temptation. This is not speaking about our being afraid, but about our abiding in the fear of Yahweh. One of the most effective ways to avoid our falling into temptation is if we hate or detest everything that comes from the flesh. As we are told, the fear of Yahweh is to hate all evil. The verb hating, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh, is a present active participle. So it is to be how we now and continually approach each and every moment. The Greek word here that is translated flesh is the word sarx, S-A-R-X. This word, it's used a lot in the New Testament, and it has various meanings. It refers generally to our humanity, our life in these bodies of flesh. But it is most often used in a spiritual sense and refers to that which derives from our old sinful nature, the part of our being that stands in opposition to God and is an enemy of God. The extensive use of the word sarks as it relates to our old sinful nature, the flesh, conveys that this is embedded truth. It's old truth. It's nothing new. This is not new truth, although it's often forgotten and overlooked or a misunderstood truth. Hence, there are many, including these teachers, these dreamers, who have denied this distinction between the flesh, the sarks, and the new creation. They do this because they do not like the way this truth threatens their instinctual religious wisdom and the power, control, and authority it offers to them as they follow the ways of Cain, Balaam, and Korah. You see, if they let the Bible be authoritative over their lives, they would have to conclude that it is possible to live from the Spirit and not be bound by the failures of the flesh 
nor live under the domination of sin. It is our purpose to live in unrestrained freedom. But if they did this, it would threaten the very foundation of the ministries in which they serve. It would take away from their power over people as believers would begin to realize that they can be free in the spirit and that they can personally know God and know his will for their lives and live from a spirit doing only what Yahweh wants them to do when he wants and not what these leaders want them to do. The religion of Christianity, sadly, is dependent upon the brokenness of believers and the sin of believers being the norm, not the freedom of believers. In practical application, our affection, our care, and our mercy are to be towards those who doubt or those who are leaning towards apostasy. But we are to hate and despise anything and everything that comes from their old sinful nature, as well as everything that has been contaminated by their old sinful nature. This is radical Christianity. This is the fear of the Lord. The reason being is that if we do not hate it, we might just be tempted to follow in their pattern of thinking and living. We all know that if we are dealing with someone trapped in sexual sin, we often get tempted in that area. If we are dealing with those who are bound by religion and their duty and service to God and the church, it's easy to be tempted to go back into thinking in those ministry ways. If we're dealing with someone who is in love with their own goodness, we start to forget that everything in us that does not derive from Jesus is sin. I know that each of us have faced these temptations and many more, but we must hate the flesh and all that is corrupted by the flesh. We must give ourselves no room or excuse to live from the flesh for we are under no obligation to the flesh. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We need to take this instruction and let it be authoritative over our lives. It will be our protection from the dangers and snares of dealing with apostasy and apostates in these end times. The closing, Jude 24 through 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is a reason to be filled with joy. Our only master and Lord Jesus Christ is so big, so mighty, and so powerful that he can keep us from stumbling and present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. The Spirit wants us to know that if we cling to Jesus, if we are dependent upon him for all things, all the time, he will keep us safe and prevent us from being damaged by wrong belief and unbelief because he will fight for us. And when it's all said and done, we will be presented before him blameless. I mean, that's the best news ever. As we are even now before him blameless in his sight. That's what he says. That is unbelievable grace. Again, this is a reason we are to be filled with great joy. In the Greek, great joy is actually a noun. Hence, joy will describe us. We will be joy. We will exist as joy. Can you imagine? Paul and John both say that we will see him face to face as his face radiates the fullness of the glory of God. And David says that we will behold his face in righteousness and will be satisfied with his likeness. Since life on this earth 
gives us few reasons to have true joy. God gives us an abundance of reasons, but they are all found in him, through him, hence the substitution principle. All that we are for all that he is, our life in exchange for his life. This is glorious and a reason every one of us are to have exceeding joy as we wait for the return of our only master and Lord. As David said, I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Yes, one day we will know full and complete substitution, his likeness for ours. We will be like him. To the only God, our Savior, Yahweh Yasha, the one who gave us life from the dead, and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Yahweh Adonai, the one who is sovereign over all the details of our lives, the one who gets to call the shots for our lives, be glory, the divine radiance, majesty, the incomparable, ineffable, or impossible to describe omniscient one, dominion, the one who is in control of all things everywhere all the time, as nothing and no one seen or unseen escapes his lordship, and authority, the only one with ultimate power, the Almighty, before all time and now and forever. Amen. I mean, this is a powerful description of Jesus. This is the one who loves us and has chosen us. I think the point the Spirit wants to make is that we are in big hands. We can therefore let go of all our attempts to control our own lives and instead surrender to his agape love. He is beyond glorious. Words cannot express the marvel of his presence. And one day, without question, we will be like him. Again, this is to spring up at each of us a well of joy that bursts forth in abundant praise. Jude, the epilogue. With that, we have finished this prelude to the book of Revelation. Things are winding down to a close. Apostasy is going to get worse. The church is only going to become more corrupted. The line between the supernatural and the natural is going to be blurred, for judgment is coming. It starts with the household of God and then quickly moves to the ungodly. We have been warned. We get the choice to live in him or turn away and live for him. It's a very subtle but deadly difference. To me, this is not even a choice. I have made up my mind. I am choosing to be living in Jesus Christ now and continually, regardless of the consequences. And I know that he will keep me and present me blameless before him, full of joy. As for me, I am rejoicing that only he is good and that it is not up to me to be good. I am rejoicing that everything about my life is his responsibility. I am focused, therefore, on learning how to be willing to let him be my I am and to rest in the paths that he has established for me. I am learning how to let him be my Adonai because he is whether I want to accept it or not. I no longer want to live for him, but I want him to live in and through me. I want him to possess what is his. This is the way out of apostasy, betting our lives on the truth. Next comes Revelation, which is an amazing book. It gives us details and drama regarding the end times, but it will show us more of Jesus and literally shock us with what it has to say in comparison with the many fictions that have been marketed to the world. This revelation is an unveiling of Jesus. We will see him as never before. 
The reason Jesus wants us to study this book is because he is so jealous for us and so desires oneness with us that he wants us to know everything we can about him, even the things that were previously veiled. Yes, he wants his children to know him as he has fully disclosed, just like we are known by him. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in. <laughs>